0: G'day everyone, happy Christmas. I think uh, for some reason I've been struggling to believe that Christmas is here this year. Uh, there's something going over the microphone too, but I'll just keep talking. Are we all right Rick? For some reason I've been struggling to believe Christmas is here this year. Uh, I think it was only this morning when we sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing that I suddenly thought, yeah, Christmas is here. There's something about that carol. But uh, last year in my Christmas sermon here... Uh, I shared how I am a child of the Star Wars generation, uh, and I also shared how I had always longed for one particular Christmas gift that no one had ever bought me, which was a model Millennium Falcon. Uh, And amazingly, having shared that in my sermon, by the end of January, two people had given me model Millennium Falcons. Uh, Isn't that wonderful? See? Uh, People are nice. There you go. But uh, on that basis, this year I thought I'd mention how from childhood I've always longed for two first-class tickets to New York. But uh, (laughs) let's see what happens. Anyway, uh, that was a joke, by the way. Uh, Economy class will be fine if you're... But in fact, economy class is much more fitting for the Christmas story that we just read. And you've got it uh, printed from Matthew's Gospel in your outline there. Uh, Because the point of what happened at Christmas is that the Son of God gave up everything for us. Uh, The one who is God, the one who deserves to be worshipped. He gave that up to come in all humility and in all service to serve us. Uh, and that is the point of Christmas, and so tonight we 're just briefly going to go and look once again at that familiar but really striking real story of christmas uh, and tonight we 're looking at the story in matthew 's gospel it 's printed on your outline. Matthew tells us the story from joseph 's side of the story, so we also read luke 's gospel earlier on, and that tells us from mary 's side. Uh, luke is the more famous one. Mary gets a lot more press than joseph, uh, but this is joseph 's story jesus 's father. Uh, I think generally dads are, quite rightly, it must be said, but dads are the forgotten people at the birth of a child. Uh, I say quite ri- rightly because, frankly, it's mothers who do all the work. But uh, I remember I went to visit a young couple once uh, and uh, as we went in, they just had their first child and the, uh, the dad said to me, man, I never want to go through that again. Uh, and I took him outside and I said, if you value your marriage and you value your life, never, ever say that in front of your wife. Uh, but back to Joseph, because as I say, for many ways he is the forgotten man in the story of Jesus. Uh, in fact, just to show the difference, I had the opportunity to go to Nazareth earlier this year. As many of you know, uh, and you, you walk in Nazareth is now a very big town, and that sort of thing. And there is in the middle of town there is this massive church built of you know stone and concrete with just Mary's all over it, and you say, it's all about Mary. And then you go around the back, and there's this tiny little church. Fittingly fitted out all with lovely wood, because Joseph was a carpenter, and that 's joseph 's church, and that 's sort of about right in terms of the way we think about the Christmas story. Moses gets it all and I think that 's partially because he was probably much older than Mary. Uh, he had it seems died by the time Jesus started his ministry, whereas Mary was still there, a part of the gospels, a part of the story. But anyway, Matthew tells us his story, and it starts with a scandal. I mean really, Joseph got the worst Christmas present ever. Uh, When it became obvious the young woman he was engaged to be married to was pregnant. Uh, Sometimes people read the Christmas story sort of like Joseph didn't bat an eyelid and of course he was going to do all this, but this is real life, this is this is history, not a story. Uh, It was a huge scandal. You can imagine what everyone would have said. Uh, Everyone thought Joseph was the father, there were the sideways glances, there would have been the gossip, just like today. But what a shock to Joseph, because he was the only one who knew I'm not the father. Uh, And being pledged to be married was a much bigger thing then than it is now. Uh, It was a contract, it couldn't be broken easily. Basically, you had all the costs of marriage with none of the benefits. That was basically what it was. It took a divorce to end it. But here with Mary's pregnancy, it gave him legitimate grounds to break it off. He had every right to say, we're we're going to end it now. Now, he could have done that in a really public and sort of self-righteous way, Uh, but Joseph, it says, was a righteous and godly man. That's not saying he was perfect. It's saying he was a man who sought to live God's way, who sought to love God, sought to love other people. So he didn't want Mary's name dragged through the mud, uh, even if she'd wronged him. So he decides to divorce her quietly. And it seems like having made that decision, he sort of thinks now my conscience is clear and he goes to bed, he goes to sleep. But then the weirdness starts in the story. Because that night, an angel, a messenger from God, appears to him in a dream. We used to regularly have angels visit us at night, but they were more three-year-old angels. Uh, This was a different sort of angel. This is what the angel said. Look at your outline at verse 20. It says, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is by the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. ...because he will save his people from their sins. So the angel says, Joseph, your your wife Mary, she has not been unfaithful. Instead, something amazing has happened to her, a miraculous thing. God has put this child inside her. Now, that's amazing enough. It's a miracle in and of itself. But the really amazing thing is what the angel then says about the child. About the child that's to be born. And with that in mind, I want to briefly pick out three things tonight that we learn about the baby Jesus in this little section of the story. And the first is there where the angel calls Joseph son of David. Do you see that there? Now, Now, Joseph's dad's name was actually Jacob. He was the son of Jacob. But way, way back in the history of his family, 28 generations to be precise, was the great King David. We read about him before in 2 Samuel chapter 7, and David was the greatest man in Israel's history. He was the great king. The Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. It doesn't say that about very many people. And God had promised David, one day, David, you will die, but one day I will raise someone up, a descendant of yours, and they will be the greater king, even greater than you've been. And this king will not just be the king of Israel, they will be the savior of the world. And his kingdom will never end. And that was in our reading before from 2 Samuel 7. So when the angel says to Joseph, remember you are descended from David. Remember that your son will be in the line of David. It's the first hint of how special this baby will be. Will this baby be God's promised king and savior? But then the hint becomes even clearer when the angel says to Joseph, look at verse 21. He says, you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. When we hear the name of Jesus, we think of one person in history, don't we? In all my years, I have never baptised a baby Jesus. No one has said, I'm going to name my child Jesus in our church. We've never welcomed a Jesus. In I've had lots of weird names, but never a Jesus. So we think God is telling Joseph to name your baby something strange. But Jesus is actually quite a common name. There's a Jesus playing for the national Spanish soccer team at the moment if you go to Spain or South America, Jesus is a pretty popular name. Jesus is a pretty popular name. And more than that, Jesus is the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. In fact, Mary and Joseph probably never called Jesus, Jesus. They would have called him Joshua. So every time you meet a Joshua, call him Jesus from now on, all right? And Joshua was as common a name then as it is today. When people said, oh, Jesus is going, they didn't think that was strange it was just a common name so it wasn't the name that was important it was what that name meant because it means God saves this baby you are to name him Jesus or Joshua because he will save people from their sins see Jesus didn't just come into the world for the fun of it he came to do a job and his name reminded him every day of what that job was and his name reminded every person of who heard it what he was here to do. The Bible teaches us that God created us to live for him. The, the, the Bible teaches us that we were designed to live God's way, designed to live, to worship him. And Jesus said, do you want to know God's law? He said, well, this is what it is. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength and all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. That's what you do to please God. That's God's call on you. But sadly, we don't, every one of us. Sadly, we've all turned our backs on God and said, we we want to run things our way, not your way. And we've ignored God and we've set ourselves up in his place. We think we can decide what is right and wrong. We think we can decide what we will or won't do instead of listening to the God who made us. And the Bible tells us God can't and won't allow that to go on forever. The Bible says every person faces God's judgment for our rejection of him. But then came Jesus. God saves. God's gift to us, Jesus, is the rescue plan for all of humanity. God sent his son Jesus into the world to save sinners like you and me. Now, of course, Jesus didn't do that as a baby. The, the Christmas story is only the beginning, and I'd love you to read on in Matthew's gospel and read the rest of the story. Jesus grew up to become a man, a man who, even though he never did anything wrong, died for the sins of the world and by dying on that cross he was taking the punishment of God so that we could be saved. When Jesus talking as an adult when he described why he had come this is what he said I've put it on your outline if you look at it it's from Mark chapter 10 verse 45 Jesus called himself the son of man by the way he said for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Why did Jesus come? To give his life. A ransom is the price you pay to save someone else, to free them. Well, Jesus paid the price of his life to save us. So at Christmas, when we hear the name Jesus, remember that he is Jesus because he is God's gift of salvation. We finally uh, got around to sending out some Christmas cards to friends overseas and around the place on Friday, so they might get those by April. But uh, when you're away from loved ones at Christmas time, it's wonderful when you get a card, isn't it? You actually, I, I love getting a card. I love getting anything in the mailbox these days, frankly, other than bills, but I love getting a card because it's a reminder that people remember you and that they love you. But the special Christmases are when you don't just get a card, it's when you get people in person, isn't it? That's so why we love coming together at Christmas time. Why like families come together at Christmas time, despite all the struggles that creates, is because there is something wonderful about having people with you in the flesh. That's better than any gift in the mail. Well, the wonder of Christmas is that God did not just send a gift to us from heaven, like a card in the mail. The wonder is that God came and delivered it Himself. After the angel had told Joseph to name the boy Jesus, we're told, look at verse 23, that this child would come to be known by another name. He will be called Emmanuel. And Emmanuel means God with us. Now, It's not like Emmanuel was Jesus' other name. It wasn't Jesus, Emmanuel, Christ. That's making the point that once people come to know Jesus, they will say, I have met God. That's the point he's making. Once people come to know Jesus, they will say, I have met God in the flesh. God has walked among us. See, when Jesus began to teach, he said, if you come to know me, you have come to know the Father. If you meet me, you have met the Father. He said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And that is the wonderful news of Christmas. God did not just send a saviour. For us, God came into the world to save us. God is not distant. That's the wonder of Jesus. That is why I'm a Christian in the end. Other religions claim that God or a God has spoken, other religions claim that God has given us rules on how to live. Jesus alone says, I am God, and that God, in the person of his Son, has come down himself and got his hands dirty. God the Son has experienced what it is to live our life. He's experienced all the joys and all the pains that we experience. And he has not come to show us how to earn his love. He hasn't come to give us a religion to follow. He has come to save us. And the only right response to that, the only right response to Jesus at all, I think, is to believe in him and to worship him. Isn't that right? the only right response to Jesus is to believe in him and to worship him. I love what we sing in that great Christmas carol, and I think we're going to sing it next, when we sing, O come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. That is the right response to Jesus. So I pray you have a wonderful Christmas. I pray you have a wonderful Christmas day on Tuesday. But More than anything, I pray that you take the time to consider afresh the true meaning of Christmas, that you take the time to consider afresh this wonderful gift of Jesus. And I pray that you might believe in him and worship him. Amen.